What's up, everybody? This is Patrick Jones. You're listening to The Road to the Show. On this episode, we have Trent Rosecrans. Trent is the Cincinnati Reds beat reporter, and he specifically goes over the Reds' top prospects. Um, how many years out are the Reds from being playoff contenders? Um, Joey Votto, Billy Hamilton, what their careers are going to be looking like in the future, especially in Cincinnati specifically, and just a whole lot more information about the, about the Reds. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. And without further ado, Trent Rosecrans. What's up, everybody? I'm Patrick Jones. This is The Road to the Show. Today we have on Trent Rosecrans. Trent, thanks for coming on today. Hey, no problem. So how hard is it to cover a team throughout the entire season, 162-game season, and have to give your honest opinion when you're around the players every single game? Not hard. I mean, Patrick, you, you know when you don't do well. Right. I mean, does, is anybody harder on you than you? Does it bother anybody when you don't come through more than you? You know it. It doesn't. No, I mean, these are professionals. And I think sometimes people forget that. You know, I mean, when you played at a high level, and I, I didn't play at a high level, um, but there's nothing, even at the, the high school level that I played at, there's nothing anybody could say that would make me feel worse than I felt already, and I'm 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 a hundred percent sure you were the same way. You were the same way, right, Patrick? Oh yeah, hundred percent. So, yeah. I just I just wasn't These sure. You know, some some of the players obviously have you know big egos, so if you say something bad about them, maybe they'll they'll flip out or something like that. No, I mean I don't know how much they read. Yeah, <laughs> that's where most of my stuff is done. Yeah. How um, far away do you think the Reds know, are from being uh, a – what's that? Yeah, no, nothing. I didn't. How far, are, How far are the, are the, are away are the Reds are from being a contender? Or winning? Mm. Uh, you know, that's always tough because I would have said a year ago at this time, I said – I probably would have said, I think the Brewers – have the makings of a good, good franchise and maybe they can compete in 2018. Well, they went a little quicker. You see some other teams, they come a little slower. I mean, I, I thought the Royals were poised for a breakout for years and they didn't. And then they did. So, I mean, if everything goes right, they could contend this year. I wouldn't put any money on that. Um, But I think, you know, and I think they should show progress this year. And when I say progress, I don't mean um, the kind of progress that you convince yourself in. I mean, I think they should have a better record. And then if things go well, 19. And if things aren't going well in 19, you may have to start some of these things over and, and um, relook at things. I mean, it's... Uh, it's tough and a lot of things have to go right. And I am just, I'm not a uh, big on prognosticate just because I've watched enough baseball to know that you never really know. Yeah, I, I definitely understand that. I mean, do you think the Reds 
as an organization, um, rely on analytics enough? I know everyone's really starting to get into that over the last several years. Do you think they need to implement that more, or are they doing enough on a day-to-day basis? I think they have been adding um, a lot of that. I think uh, you've seen the transformation of a front office um, to be – I think they've added a lot – of analytics positions in the last, well, especially in the last year, once Dick Williams really took the reins. Um, but they've kind of done that throughout. And I think you also see um, an influence, some more actual scouting as well, uh, as that may become a market inefficiency. You know, you see so many, some teams cutting back on uh, old school scouting. And I, I, I still think there's a lot of value in that. Uh, this is a team under Dick Williams that I honestly believe is open to trying things in different avenues, not just, you know, straight analytics or straight scouting. I, I think they're an open, open-minded, opportunistic uh, front office that is that is looking to improve and find ways to improve any way they can. So you see value in both, not just analytics, but also you know, old school scouting as well. Cause some people say, you know, just analytics, nothing else. You see, you think there's value in there's still value in both. I think there's huge value in both. I mean, you to get scouts, <laughs> there's no analytics that can tell you about a 16 year old in the Dominican Republic. Um, there's uh, advanced scouting. I think we saw that with the Royals, a couple of years ago, their advanced scouting was a huge part of their run to the national or to the uh, World Series for two years in a row. Um, the, I, I have the utmost respect for the scouting community, and I do lean very analytic. Um, I think I, 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 I don't. I think any easy answer is probably not a complete answer, and so I do not believe in things all being one way. I think you can you can take information in many different forms and benefit from uh, from using that information, no matter the form. Yeah, I I understand that, I and mean, it makes sense. You know, you got to combine combine both of them because they're both valuable. Do you think a lot? Some people were saying throughout this year and last year that uh, Joey Votto needs to be traded because of his contract. The Reds weren't winning the, the way that, you know, they want to do and they're paying him so much money. Do you think that the Reds need to trade him? Uh, I think that's a complex issue. Um, you have a couple things in, you have a couple of factors in that, that make it very, very difficult to trade him. First, you need a team to be willing to take him on. Um, secondly, you need to have enough return to make it worth your while. I mean, if you're paying a lot of the money, why are you going to pay to not have one of the best players in the game? I mean, there are times you pay other players not to be there. The Reds quite honestly paid for Brandon Phillips, not to be there this year. Right. And he had a good season, but you hear nobody in the front office or in the clubhouse complaining about that um i think i think both the braves and the reds were happy that brandon phillips was where he was last year um 
so you have those factors and then Joey Fano has to want to do it. And Joey is a creature of habit and he is comfortable in Cincinnati. And I'm not sure where that other place that he would want to, I don't, I'm not sure where he'd rather play in Cincinnati. And he has that right. He has no trade. He has that right to decide whether he plays here or not. And uh, as we, again, going back to Brandon Phillips thing, Brandon Phillips was very comfortable here. It took until basically, I think he saw the writing on the wall uh, that the team was going to release him. And that was going to be a major ego hit. Um, it took that for him to accept a trade because let's get real. The Reds paid $13 million for him not to play for them this year. <laughs> right. What was 14 going to be? They right. were going to release him. There is no question in my mind. Um, and that finally got to his ego and he accepted the trade. He didn't believe it would happen until I think they, uh, until it became evident that that's what was going to happen. Yeah. I mean, going back to your, and so uh, why would, where does Joey go? You know, and that's, that's the thing. I mean, Joey has that no trade and uh, a lot of people really do enjoy playing here as a player. There are some advantages. What you cover the Reds throughout the whole season. Speaking of, of Joey, what, what do you think makes him like just such a consistent hitter throughout the year? Does he do things differently from like a routine standpoint than all the other players or in your opinion, like why do you think he's just above and beyond everybody else? Um, you know, there, there's a couple of things. Um, he's extremely talented. I think we got to go start there. Um, he is, uh, he is extremely prepared um, he knows the game and he knows his game better than anyone. Uh, he has phenomenal eyesight. He has phenomenal strike zone awareness and he is not, you know, so much, of course, you know, this better than I, so much of this is this game is not making a mistake, whether it's a pitcher making a mistake or a hitter missing a mistake or, or whatever. Joey Votto doesn't make many mistakes at the plate. Um, and he is willing to do whatever he needs to do to beat you. And that is not necessarily a home run. He thinks, uh, you know, a walk can, can do that as well. And if, if you're going to not, uh, if you're going to not challenge him, and you're going to put him on base, he'll take his base. The other part is, you know, this year, he always seems to find something that he wants to improve on. There's going to be something next year. And at this time next year, I really believe we'll see see something that we look around and go, oh, Joey Votto did that much better this year. Uh, this past year, he wasn't happy with the strikeout rate. So he wanted to cut down on the strikeouts. And he... You know, and what he did was he just, he cut it. Let's see. I'm pulling it up here. I mean, he, he had, um, he had 83 strikeouts down from 120 the year before, you know, 83 strikeouts to 134 walks. 
that's that's in incredible. Today's game that's unheard of. You know, and I, I think I was looking it up. I um, looked it up the other day or before I did the MVP voting, um, and it was like a one point six walk to strikeout rate. Uh, and I think the next best was like 1.06 and there were only like five or six guys who were above one. And there was only like, I don't know, I think it might've been 20 or 30 or something like that who were 0.8. So the, there were only like 20 or 30 batters in the game who's, who were qualified, but enough at bats, whose walk to strikeout rate was half of Joey Votto's. That's incredible. And- <laughs> You add to that, he had, yeah, you know, okay, he had 83 strikeouts, 134 walks, and 71 extra base hits. So think about that. I mean, it's not like he was sacrificing um, power for those hits. He was still getting extra base hits. His 578 slugging is the second best of his career, trailing only the MVP year of 2010. And that year, he struck out 125 times and had 91 walks. This year, 134 walks and 83 strikeouts. I don't think I don't think the average person under like understands just how hard it is, how hard that is to do. Like those numbers right there, from the strikeout to walk ratio. Yeah, they're stupid. I mean, they're just. <laughs> They're just stupid. Um, you know, this year he played, he started 162 games this year. That was also something that Joey wanted to do. Um, he said that was maybe one of the things he was most proud of this year. Uh, it was funny. Somebody's like, well, you, you played in 162 in 2013. He goes, yeah, but I didn't start 162. <laughs> that year he started um, 161 and it stuck in its crawl. <laughs> I mean, how crazy is that? But he wanted to he wanted to start 162, and he did, and he was on base in 150 of those. That's I mean that 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 is just so incredible right there. To be, I mean, I just I just look at everyone in Cincinnati, and you always hear you know he's selfish because he'll take a walk. You know, he'll if there's a guy on third base, he says, if unless the pitch is, is right there that I'm looking for, I'm going to take it. And but they don't really look at the numbers. Like he had, he still had over 100 RBIs this year. Well, and and what he does is he plays not to the RBI, but to the win expectancy. He likes RE24. You know, this is the thing that or uh, WPA. I mean, he looks at these things. He looks at what he does that shows traditionally what leads to a win, not what people think leads to a win, but what the numbers say. And that's one of the things, you know, you hear people like, well, I don't care about the numbers and this, this, this and stuff. Well, if you don't like statistics, what statistics are, statistics, when we're talking in this case, it is a history it is that history. It's just using numbers instead of words. Statistics are what happened. And it's a record of what happened. And what has happened is Joey Votto has made, has helped his team and advanced their cause towards winning, which is extremely important. 
you know, and, and one of the other things was I was having a, a discussion with a friend because, um, you know, when we, when our MVP votes were due and I was an MVP voter and I cannot uh, reveal my vote until afterwards. Um, but a friend of mine and I, uh, I, I talk with several writers. I talk with scouts. I talk with players. I talk with managers. I talk with coaches, um, before, um, I also have a huge spreadsheet, um, before I, 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 send in my ballot and I make it. And I, I was talking to a friend and we were talking like Stanton and Votto. And one of the things he said, can you imagine Stanton playing at great American ballpark? Like, no, it'd be crazy. You know, the home run numbers. But then I was thinking about it later and I was thinking, can you imagine Joey Votto playing every day in Miami? You know, the home run numbers would go down. I always talk about this ballpark is really, it's probably the worst place for, to get the most value out of a guy like Billy Hamilton, because when people talk about great American ballpark and it's propensity for home runs, it is a home run conducive environment, but it is not conducive to singles, doubles, and triples because it's a small ballpark. So with like Billy, what you're saying is so many of the balls that, he hits and puts in play are caught. And also his defense is kind of wasted in the small park where Shinsu Chu played it almost adequately in center field. Whereas you have an, uh, a guy with Billy and you're um, holding him back because well, the park holds him in. He doesn't have to get to as many balls if he's in a big ballpark that, but where that goes with Votto is here's a guy who likes to use the whole field. If he had more field to use, Sure, he might have fewer home runs, but I bet his batting average is, you know, 20 points higher. Yeah. I really believe that. Do you think, um, speaking of Billy Hamilton, do you think he's going to be a starting center fielder for the Reds for years and years to come? At least two, unless they find a trade partner that really values him. And there are teams that really value him, especially teams that play in big ballparks. Um, I think as long as he is with the Reds, he is the starting center fielder. Um, I don't know that he's your leadoff man, but he develop he gives you so much value. Um, especially if you're talking about pitchers who are struggling, if he steals, I mean, I know looking at the numbers, it's not an out of game, but sometimes it feels like an out of game. It might be, Let's see, 5, 1, 6, 2, 15. Um, sorry, my math in my head. You know, it, it, it might be once through the rotation, he steals a run. Well, whoever that pitcher is, they're thankful that he takes that run away. And when you have these young pitchers um, and pitchers who are struggling to find their way, and especially if they're not huge strikeout guys, well, they they need Billy Hamilton in the outfield, and that helps, even at Great American Ballpark. So if as long as he is a member of the Reds, I believe he's the starting center fielder. And then he has two more years of arbitration left, and he's a free agent after uh, a 19. Okay. I didn't actually know that about uh, he was a free agent until 2019. Going to the, uh, around the diamond a little bit, Nick Senzel, the Reds, I believe he's the top number one prospect, um, if, correct me if I'm wrong, 
Do you anticipate him being uh, starting third right, baseman yeah. uh, next year? Uh, not to start the season. Um, there's no reason for him to start the season there. Um, you know, you don't want to start that arm clock. Uh, I don't. I just don't see him to start there. And also, quite honestly, right now, you know, you have an above average first or third baseman. Right now, is he gonna? He has to be better than Eugenio Suarez to be the starting third baseman. And um, as good a prospect as Nixon Bell is, I'm not sure he is right now. Now, does that mean? Uh, I think either one of those guys could move in the future. I think either one of them could play second. I think either one of them could play one of the corner outfield spots. So that. That is going to be a question, but I don't think anybody, no general manager has ever been worried about having too many good players. <laughs> and these things work themselves out. And if your problem is there are too many good players, you don't have any problems. Right. About then the other top prospect, Hunter Green, um, Where do you, do you see him mm-hmm. as a position player or as a pitcher going forward? He's a pitcher. Um, he has accepted that. The Reds have said that. Uh, you know, they said, oh, you can DH a little bit in, um, in Billings. And it was really, really smart because this is a guy who hadn't pitched since, um, I think it was either March or April. He shut down uh, those innings on his arms in his high school season. He just was a position player uh, because of the draft and all those things. And so – one, and then he signed right at the deadline. So with those two things, they had to build him up. And while he was at rookie league in in, in Montana, before his his uh, you know before he got built up to where he could start in games, kind of doing that um, first bit of of spring training type thing. Uh, before he did that, they said, "Well, you can DH some." So he DH'd, and what he did is. I went up to Billings and talked to Hunter about this. He looked around and he saw, you know, the work to be a Joey Votto or or even anyone, a major league player, to see to be a professional position player, you need to work so hard on your offensive game. And basically there's just not enough hours in the day or enough energy in the body to be great at both. And he decided, uh, which is what, you know, that his future was on the mound. And when you throw 101, 102 with ease, your future's on the mound. Yeah, you went out to Billings to watch him play, didn't you? I did. I did. I went out and uh, saw him out there. I talked to him out there for an extended period of time and people around there, it was a, um, it was a really cool experience. So it was, it was very good. And, um, he was, uh, he's pretty impressive. One of the things I noticed, I, uh, this was in, in Billings. I was right up next to the, I was shooting video of him warming up because you could get by the, you know, with a, with a bullpen that's right by the, the stands on the field in the in foul territory, you can get close and 
it was a good opportunity to get video of him warming up and pitching. And I'm looking at just my phone as it, as I videotape and I'm watching him do this. And I'm thinking, I'm not watching the ball and where it's going and how it's ending up. And I'm thinking, well, when's he going to start throwing hard because the game's about to start and he needs to warm up and he's just, he hasn't, I haven't seen him throw hard yet and throw with any effort. And just as I think that he signals to his catcher one more, he throws one more and he's ready. And I realize once he gets out on the mound and he looks the same, that's nice, easy, not working, not overthrowing, not trying to throw hard. And you see on their scoreboard zero zero because there's no one <laughs> when you see that on the radar and you're like, Oh, it's easy. And it says zero zero. That's something. <laughs> and, and it was, it was pretty amazing. Yeah, especially from an injury perspective, right? I mean, the Reds probably, when they were scouting him, thinking, you know, when it, if it's coming out that easy, his chances for injuries are probably going to decrease. You would hope. I mean, but again, if anybody had the answer to the crystal ball for injuries, then they would be very, very rich people. Right. And um, it's, it's, um, it's a tough thing. It's a really tough thing. Yeah. One more question, Trent, then we'll let you get going. There's obviously a lot of hype around Hunter and Nick. What other, what one top prospect, or just not even necessarily a top prospect, who you see in the Reds farm system who could eventually become um, a major league player every single day? Uh, you know, let's see. That's, uh, I should have a Moretti. Uh, argument on this because of my uh i'm working on the baseball america top 10 or top 30 list right now um you know i'll give you a young guy and a not young guy uh really young young guy guy. i had well no i'm I'm gonna give you two okay i mean i uh, they're all young because they're all minor leaguers um i'm gonna do a recent draftee i had a scout um for another team, I was just kind of talking to him. He was like, oh, one of our, our amateur guy, their main amateur guy, was so mad because he said that the Reds got the two best players in that draft. He said they got the best pitcher in the draft in Hunter Green. He said they got the best hitter in the draft in Jeter Downs. Really? Um, I don't know that Jeter Downs is a shortstop, per se. And there's a lot of people who aren't sure that he will stick at shortstop, but I have a lot of people who really, really like his bat. Um, and that's a future down the line. And then I'm going to go selfish on this one. Um, the second one, I'm a believer in shed long, um, second base prospect. Uh, I did a podcast, great American dream tracking him all season long and talking to him. Uh, it's, it's uh, very much a, a podcast that was about um, the the everyday life of minor league and those struggles and all those kind of and those challenges. Um, that's on iTunes. It's on anywhere you get your podcast. Wherever you're listening to this, you can type in "Great American Dream," and uh, it's a twelve part um, uh, narrative podcast um, that I worked really hard on. And uh, Shed is a guy who's can hit, you know. 
Um, he's a second baseman. He struggled when he got up to double A, then had some injury. Uh, but Shed's going to hit, and I believe he's going to hit. He's a smaller guy, but he's still got some power. He's uh, he's a special individual, and and not only is there that uh, Great American Dream podcast uh, this Sunday, which is the twenty second, um, I have a big story about the podcast and about Shed coming in the Cincinnati Enquirer. So if you have any interest in that, um, I'll be in the Cincinnati Enquirer on Sunday. Uh, I'll be online either Friday or this weekend on Cincinnati.com. Lots of Shed Long. Uh, he's uh, he's a pretty interesting uh, character and, and a guy who can really play baseball. Yeah, and I've actually listened to that podcast. That you did a, you did do a really good job on that. I, I I'm a big fan of that one. Thank you, thank you. Worked really hard of it on it, and I'm really really proud of it. Yeah, so we'll definitely have to make sure to put that up in the show notes as well for people to go check that out. Uh, Trent, really appreciate you taking the time to stop by today. Yeah, no worries. Anything-